What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus. And we're actually weekly this month because... Why are we bi-weekly? I mean, why are we weekly this month, Nikita? Because it's Pride Month. Okay, yes. Thank you. Thought you were going to leave me hanging there. I am Money, the Syracuse sex symbol. I stole that from our friend Seth. Seth. And I am Nikita, your pride princess. Oh, hail the princess. <laughs> okay. Or, Nikita, quilt bang cutie. Oh my gosh, you can't do two. That's breaking the rules. All right, drop the intro. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Hey, every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sis, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation, you're amazing, no limitation, my favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration and that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily cause baby you love, you love, I hope you hear that on the daily, I hope you do, I hope you hear that on the daily, I All right, Nikita. So, you know, we came in here because we figured that we did this last year and it was so much fun. Yeah. We dropped like these mini episodes in between our Uh, like full out ones. Yeah, bi-weekly episodes. Yeah. And you should check those out, the ones we did last year for Pride. And so we just decided to go ahead and... Do it again. Yeah, yeah. So you want to tell folks where they can find us? Yes, you can find us on Instagram, handle at QueerWalkPod. We have the same handle, at QueerWalkPod on Twitter. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, QueerWalk, colon, the podcast. You can find us where it all began, Tumblr, QueerWalk.com. And where can folks listen? They can listen to us on Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or CastBox. Yes. Money. Yes. I was just about to go into it, but you've got to ask me. Yes. Money. Uh-huh. You and I are the co-hosts of this program, but we could not do it without the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. And can you tell folks listening in the Kurwat community how they can contribute? Of course I can. So the first way you can contribute to sustaining this here program is monetarily you can help us with your funds to keep the mics on as Nikita said (laughs) (laughs) you can contribute one time or make like a non-committal payment at dollar sign queer walk pod on cash app Um, so yeah you just drop off as much or as little as you can over there or you can become a sustainer of the program by 
giving us a monthly donation over on Patreon. So Patreon is just like a monthly way to give us money. And we have some suggested uh, donations over there, or you can give as much or a little or as little again as you can monthly. And you can do that at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. The second way that you can contribute to Queer Walk, the podcast, is by loving us out loud. And you should love us out the loudest during this month. Pride month, exactly. Pride. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, just show a dyke some love. Uh, <laughs> and, you can, and you know what they say, a day without lesbians is like a, a day, day without, without sunshine. sunshine. You don't want to be cloudy <laughs> during the month of Pride. Exactly. Um, so you can do that by reposting the episode, uh, replying to the episode, retweeting us, requesting topics that you want to hear us talk about, re, uh, well, there's no re, or replying <laughs> um, in the comment sections, uh, leave us a review, or you can email us at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Use the hashtag on all things, hashtag queerwalk. Or hashtag QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. And going with our theme of these mini-sodes, mini-episodes for Pride Month, one of the things that we're going to do, one of the episodes we're going to do is All all Curves All all the the Time. time. So um, kind of like how we did for our 50th episode, we really want to have listener and community engagement and participation. So send us your wildest dating woe and or win. Yeah. Just send us a dating story that you think you would like to like share with us. You've heard us talk about yeah. cur- and talk in Curve Chronicles. There's so been you highs know, and lows. Yes. I mean, high highs. And, and the like, lowest of the lows. The pits of hell. <laughs> like Dante walking us through himself. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, if you have any stories that you would like to share with us, you can send them to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. It would be cool if y'all sent, like, an audio clip and we could just, like, put your Curve Chronicle yes, in. Yes, that would be so great. That would be so cute. Or you can DM us on Instagram at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can reply to Nikita's thirst trap on Twitter. It wasn't Twitter. a thirst trap. It was, yeah, it was just sexy. I think that's what it was. You call it a thirst trap. I just call it subtle artistry (laughs) (laughs) see you you give a bitch one compliment (laughs) all right um she was cute or whatever so (laughs) go over and reply to that tweet you know people are are putting curves chronicles in there you can so yeah. If you don't want to shoot an email, you can leave it as a comment or send us a DM. A DM. Yeah. All right. Okay. So before we get into like the meat of this mini so I would like to just like shout out uh, some of our like homies from the Batty Brigade who are oh, doing yes. like big shit this month as well. Yeah. Because you know we're just a quiggle of queers. A quiggle of yeah. queers. I think we're. We're like 90% queer. <laughs> right, right, right. So the first event we want to highlight and encourage you all to go to from the Black Batty Brigade is Marsha's Plate. Yes. So the homies from Marsha's Plate, who consists of Mia, Z, and Diamond, they're going to be doing a live show and they're going to be working with a queer global pride fundraiser. This is going to be Saturday, June 29th. 
2019. This year, this month, yes. June 29th, mm-hmm. from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. There's a dance party until they kick you out. <laughs> this is going to be at the Talent Bar in Brooklyn. This is going to be an inclusive event by the people, for the people, because the struggle is still real. Mm. There's going to be a live broadcast again by Marsha's Plate, and it's going to be going to um, a really good cause. So make sure that y'all go. There's going to be raffle, drinks, food, baked goods. I mean... Oh my God! All of that that. and the homies from right, live music, DJs. I mean, come on now. Yeah, and I'll be there if you all were wondering. And that's (laughs) that's the cherry on the queer cake right there. (laughs) Because we're gonna be in the city for pride. So yeah, exactly. And so the the admission price again. This is going for a fundraiser. It's good cause. So the admission price is just simply whatever you can donate. Look at that. Look at that accessibility and inclusion. And you know, don't, don't, you can scam on CEOs, on corporations, and on capitalists. Don't Hashtag skimp. Hashtag from Walmart. Don't skimp on your people. Right, right. Yeah, so shout out to the homies at Marshall's Plate for that. I can't wait for this live show. Continuing with the, the Black, baddiness. Baddie Brigade. Taking, taking over Pride Month. The homies, Janicia and Queen from Tea with Queen and Jay. Uh, podcasts are going to be at Afros and Audio Festival, um, which runs from June 22nd to June 23rd, also in Brooklyn, New York. Queen and Jay are going to be featured guest speakers on the 22nd, so which is the first day of the fest. And their talk is called The Market Is Not Flooded. Ooh. Because... They are community-ass bitches. Right. <laughs> like, there's space for all of us. And so, for tickets, you can go to afrosandaudio.com and support the homies. They're Please doing, do. you know, amazing community-building work, and they just, you know, continue to be our fairy pod mothers. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And then we have, like, a post-event shout-out, because we couldn't go, but the homies, Akua and Sam from Inner Hole Uprising, did a live show Last Friday, right? When we're recording, it was last Friday. Yeah. Last Friday at the We Are Much Different podcast theater. And I heard it was amazing. Amazing, yeah. And Stephanie was a guest. Stephanie from Bag Ladies, for those of y'all who don't know, you know, the Batty Brigade. (laughs) Um, Check out her podcast as well. Stephanie is just hilarious. So, yeah. Really sad that I missed that. Um, My damn clients canceled, so I could (laughs) have driven down to the city, but... We missed it, but we just wanted to show y'all love. And oh, y'all do events all the time. All so the it's time. Just like, I feel like uh, they do events in their sleep. It, <laughs> you know, I'm worried that people in the uh, Bad A Brigade are not getting adequate rest. We, we're not. Yeah. And, well, so, yeah. I, I mean, definitely the hoes ain't resting. Like, they'll they'll have, like, sex trivia that night and then a, a banging, like, day party the exactly. next day. It's like, um, excuse me. But have you all rested? <laughs> <laughs> we know the commute from Queens to the city. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But we love y'all. And, uh, yeah, shout out. And shout out. I know that y'all have something else coming up soon for us to plug. Yeah, we love y'all. We support y'all. We're just so proud of everything that y'all are doing. Yeah. Hi. Big things, big things. All right. This all topic episode, I right. guess. Um, Potpourri, if you will. What the heck, potpourri? You know, it's like that that category on Jeopardy, the potpourri. It's just anything. Do you intentionally do this every episode? Like, you try to find a reference that I won't know? (laughs) 
so that the listeners could be no. like, this bitch is getting a PhD? No, or like, you remember when you used to is vacuum? Uh, no. And you, and you would, um, my, whenever my mom used to vacuum, she would pour potpourri on the floor. And it's just like a, a mix of dried petals. That's, that so sounds like potpourri. some very witchy shit that your mama was doing. Maybe. So potpourri is just like a mix of something. I did not know that. I thought potpourri was the stuff on the back of the toilet. It is, but it's like it's like fragrant, nice smelling stuff. But it's just a okay. Mix. I didn't know it was a, a Jeopardy category. Yeah, is what yeah, I'm saying. Well, I'm an, anyway. I'm totally a loser. So okay. The point remains. So, <laughs> so this is gonna be a potpourri episode about like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like revisiting Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A pope, a pride pope. <laughs> a pride potpourri, if you will. Okay, Nikita. <laughs> Let it go. The, pot- <laughs> the potpourri is not going to happen, okay? <laughs> it's like fetch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. so can I start? Please do. Okay, because I wanted, Ooh. I suggested that we do this, like, pride potpourri. Oh, my God. Are we going to call the episode that? <laughs> <laughs> because I came across this article by HuffPost and actually, I think our um, homies in Black Cube's Pride posted about Stormy before, but, um, you know, I don't ever get on Facebook, so I right. saw the HuffPost article first. Uh, and so I wanted to talk and, like, start this conversation off about Stormy. So Stormy Delarvier? Delarvier? Delaverie? Delaverie. I think. Okay, so the article that I saw is called Remembering Stormy, the woman of color who incited the Stonewall Revolution. And so a lot of folks have heard the story about Marsha P. Johnson throwing either a shot glass, a brick, brick. an entire porta potty. <laughs> 50 years from now, they were like, yeah, Marsha P. Johnson just, just propelled a dragon straight through the goddamn Stonewall. Jacaris! Like, <laughs> Every time I hear the story, whatever Marsha threw, the object threw, gets larger. It gets, it gets big, bigger and bigger. And you know, she hit that cop with a whole bookcase. Like, okay. You know, she just ripped the ball right, right from the, right from the foundation. <laughs> so anyway, a lot of us know that story about Marsha throwing some blunt object <laughs> and hitting a cop with it. But Stormy is act- actually the reason why Marsha threw the object, right? Ooh, so more. I want to back up and talk about Stormy. Okay. So, y'all, first of all, I need to print a picture out of oh, her and put my it goodness. on my uh, my ancestral altar. Yeah. Because, okay, I'll get there. But first of all, Stormy is and was fine as shit. Right. Okay? So, um... Dapper to a T. Where do I start? Okay, let's start the night of June 28th, 1969. Okay. 50 years ago. Stormy is at Stonewall, probably macking on everybody and everybody's girl. Right. (laughs) Um, And it's around like 1.20 in the morning, right? So it's later. Yeah. um, And... I guess for folks who don't know, the Stonewall Inn was is a like legendary gay club in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and it was very so during the '60s there were these laws around cross dressing. Yeah. So there, it was literally called a cross dressing law where you had to be wearing three items of clothing that match your quote unquote assigned gender in order to not be arrested. 
Um, so this obviously targeted gender nonconforming folks, yep. trans folks, like that's what we would now call them, you know. Right. So at the time, the word was like transvestite, like or crossdresser, and so that's that's the language that was written into these uh, laws. But yeah, we now know we have better terminology, and so so yeah, so these laws were happening, and they were they were obviously like blatantly anti homosexuality laws around like being insane same-sex partnerships or showing affection and stuff like that on the street. So the Stonewall was kind of like this safe haven for folks to go. It was like allegedly mafia run. So the security was tight, (laughs) you know, and like if you weren't gay or queer, broadly, you weren't getting in, basically. I imagine it as having a code word for the night. And if you didn't know the code word, you wasn't getting in because the cops were constantly harassing Stonewall. So like, you know, to keep people out and all that stuff. And so Stormy, who's a regular there, was, you know, just there kicking it. And she was a person that the cops routinely harassed Harassed, because she was tall, because she was masculine presenting. She was dapper, dapper dapper as fuck. Like the three piece suits, the uh, what do you call the wingtip shoes? Exactly. Yeah. Fine. Like just. Yeah. And so this night she basically had decided she wasn't having it, right? And so the these two police officers come into the Stonewall. Actually they barge in. Um I should say also that Stonewall was a safe haven for like queer folks, but there were like we like we know today when queer spaces also deal with like racism, sure. right? So that was happening. But the so the cops bust in and they decided they're going to arrest Stormy. And I say that because she's she's the Black woman. She's the black uh-huh. masculine woman, right. right? So, like, you could probably lock up anybody in the bar, but you're going to lock up this black right. masculine woman. And Storm, June 28, 1969, Stormy was like, I'm not doing it tonight. So, they try to arrest her, y'all, and she escapes, like, gets away from the police custody seven times oh and runs gosh. back into the bar, right? And I've seen this video recently of this boy who did, like, this little quick jug and got away from the police. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've seen... You uh-uh. see, oh, well, there's this video going around on Twitter that the police were harassing him. There's, like, no sure. reason for the, him him to be being bothered. And they're trying to um, handcuff him, and he does this little jug and gets away gets from away. him. Stormy did that to them seven, seven times. <laughs> and runs back into the bar. And so, as she's being dragged out the last time, this officer, fucking Seymour Forrest, I think was his name. I remembered because there's no gayer name in the history right. of names. Like, his, his name is basically Seymour Dix. <laughs> <laughs> and he, so this officer grabs her and hits her over the head mm. with like a club, like wow. one of the police clubs. Yeah. And so, she's bleeding from her head. They finally get her in handcuffs. And she, like, looks back at everybody and yells, why don't y'all do something? And at this time, this is the, this is the part of the story where history, like, typically picks up and we uh-huh. know it. It's, like, 2 a.m. and Marsha is just rolling her fine ass into the bar, right? Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she got the flower crown. The right. float. She, she put, I imagine her being like, what happened? <laughs> Stormy. <laughs> they trying to take who? Right. So what? And so, so let's find out and see. <laughs> Marsha P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and so then you know the police. Uh, it she some accounts say that she fought off four police officers doing it during this like thing. Right? Stormy or Marsha? Stormy. Oh my! With word. like no help, was just sick of being arrested, uh, sure. arrested and harassed. 
and like yelling out at the crowd, like, y'all going to do something? Like, why don't y'all do something? And so Marsha gets there. And, I, you know, she was probably, we think of, of her today as like the mother of the movement. But even though she was young, she was probably the mother of the movement yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so her being there probably ignited the crowd more. Right, right. And so when the cops finally got Stormy into the back of the paddy wagon, Marsha threw the brick and, <laughs> and shit popped off, oh. right? They were like, not tonight. Not right, tonight. Right, right. And so I just, I don't know. Like this, this story hit me because it's like, wow, this black lesbian that like sort of got left out of the Stonewall story. Like exactly. I was reading this article talking about how she was written out of the movie. She was like re overwritten in all the history. And so I really just wanted to talk about Stormy and like y'all, y'all, like her arrest was the thing that prompted everybody to revolt against right. the police. Like, and I, you know, we always talk about like how identities intersect and facing like racism, misogyny, and homophobia. And she's like gender, right. non-conforming, right. masculine. Right. Right. She's tall. Like, I feel like people don't think about tallness and women as a factor enough. It's like, I thought about that with Sandy, uh, Sandra Bland, and I think about it as myself walking uh, through yeah. the world. But also for Stormy, like, she was very tall. Yeah. And, like, why the police felt it was okay for four of them to be on her at once, right, you know? Right, right, It's just different when you're a big-bodied woman. Exactly. Yeah, and so... I wanted to tell us about Stormy. I wanted to read a little bit about her life. Please, like, did go you want to say something? No, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, so before that fateful night on June 28, 1969, Stormy was a biracial black woman. Her mother was black, uh, African American, and her mom worked as a servant for her dad's family. Um, and she actually didn't know her exact date of birth. And so she always celebrated it on Christmas Eve. Oh. Um, but she was born in 1920 in New Orleans. And so <laughs> I was thinking like her life trajectory couldn't been couldn't have been gayer. <laughs> like you're born in New Orleans and sure. you die in Brooklyn. Like yeah. that is like epic black lesbianism. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and so as a child, she was kind of like teased for being masculine and like gender nonconforming. And you know, like in, in all the ways that a lot of queer folks really identify with. And so then, you know, years later, was it like Almost 50 years later, she finds herself at the Stonewall and yeah. uh, 40 years happening. And so I wanted to read this quote from her. So she was quoted as saying, it was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights disobedience. It wasn't no damn riot. Mm. You know, and I think that's the way riot gets used. We see it today. Exactly. Like, you know, I love this quote. Because it turns it back to talking about why this happened, right? It was be- right, right. It was because of like police violence and like targeting and being sick of being harassed in right. this way and these very unjust laws, right? So protesting that a civil rights disobedience, like I get to dress however the fuck I want, you know. And so yeah, so if y'all are interested, I'll put the link in the description to the Huff Post article I found. Also, there's a lot of good sources listed on the Wikipedia um, about Stormy Delarvery. Delarvery? I think it's, yeah, Delarvery. Yeah, I thought it was French because, so, you know, um, Creole like and yeah, Louisiana. Right, right. So I kept saying Delarvier, but maybe it's not. 
Yeah. But it just it just sort of chronicles like the scuffle between her and the police. I think it's a lot more than a scuffle, you know. But I just really liked these like witness accounts that <laughs> they described Stormy as a typical New York butch and <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's misquoted, but like and a stone butch dyke. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that tickled me so much. But yeah, and so, you know, after yelling at the crowd, like, why don't why don't you guys do something? Like that's when like everything Shit broke out. Off, yeah. yeah. And like some people have referred to her as the the gay community's Rosa Parks. Yeah. Right. And so before we just like kind of move away from an overview of her life, I wanted to say that she actually toured from nineteen fifty five to nineteen sixty nine. On the Black Theater Circuit, uh, as an MC for the Jewel Box Review, which was the United States' first racially integrated drag review. Right. And she was the only drag king in the circuit. And it's just, we've talked about her before, but it says in 1987, Michelle Parkinson released the first cut um, of the movie called Stormy, the Lady of the Jewel Box. Mm. And so it's a, it documents her time in the review. And it was in the episode where we interviewed Alexis Pauline Gums for the word. We talked about black lesbians in film. And yes. so it's, I just love when that history all ties um, together comes together. So uh, for folks who don't know, Michelle Parkinson is like a pioneering uh, black lesbian filmmaker. So mm. who else would have made this? Film, but her, you yeah, know what yeah. I'm so. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was like before her time at Stonewall that she was she was already like really well known for In touring. The community, yeah, yeah, with the Jewel Box Review, which is probably also part of what like kicked everybody into action. Is like Stormy, Stormy, yeah, right, it's right, Stormy, right. And and so then, lastly, I'll say her resistance to like police violence and protecting her community did not stop. On June 28th, 1969, right. I feel like it just ignited her and uh, lit a fire. So she returned to Stonewall. She was a member of the Stonewall Veterans Association. She was the chief of security for Stonewall from 19 during the like 1980s. And at a time, she served as vice president in the early 2000s. So mind, mind y'all, she's in her 80s at this right, point. Right, doing all of that. Still doing that, right? And so I just want to uh, read this from her obituary in the New York Times. Tall, androgynous, and armed, she held a state gun permit. Miss Delarvier roamed Lower 7th and 8th Avenue and points between into her 80s, patrolling the sidewalk and checking in at lesbian bars. She was on the lookout for what she called ugliness, any form of intolerance, bullying, or abuse of her, quote, baby girls. She literally walked the streets of downtown Manhattan like a gay superhero. She was not to be messed with by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, my God. I just, I told myself I wasn't going to get emotional, but I really want to cry reading that. Yeah. Like, I think, what movie was that we left when we were joking about that? It's when we saw the Avenger movie. The Endgame. Endgame. And we were like, when are we going to get the black lesbian? The black gay superhero, yeah. Stormy was, she literally was. was. Like, we have, you know, we have Luke Cage. Stormy was Luke Cage, you know? Maybe maybe mm, Luke Cage don't carry guns and she wasn't a respectable nigga. But right. like, you know, like just that image of her, you know, tall, black lesbian, masculine presented, elderly at this point. Marching down the street. Walking down the streets of Manhattan with yeah. a gun. Yeah. Waiting for somebody to fuck right. with a lesbian. Oh yeah. man. Like that. Yeah. Just oh gosh. 
I love us so much. And it's so funny because it's like this it, this imagery for me is also, um, it just makes me think about like Harriet Tubman. Yes. You know, you know yeah. they say she had a Bible and a gun and she knew how to use them both on yeah. the Underground Railroad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that image of mm-hmm. like, um, mm-hmm. you know, black women and in, the, and in the case particularly of Stormy, like black queer women just being like, look, you know, I'm yeah. not, you're not, you're not finna be doing this stuff yeah. to our community and getting away with yes. it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and it's so, you said this the other day at the Free Black Mamas Dinner, like, it's also so communal the way that black queer women, black women have, like, done this resistance. Uh It's like, like, Harriet not just carrying a gun for protection, like, from, you know, like, slave catchers and stuff, but also putting it on your back like we're not turning back right right you, you, right we all getting free <laughs> right, like right. none of us you right. know and i think about that with stormy too she could have easily left left new york city after that you know she had like, yeah this is she could have yeah she could have just been like i'm sick of these police like these they could have these gay clubs yeah but she didn't do that she stayed and she patrolled right like when we talk about like envisioning a society without police you yeah. know it's like like we can protect ourselves right. and she was doing that she was putting that in action exactly and i think you know i think about like miss majors keep the cops out of pride yeah. that she's been doing since like the early 2000s maybe we should just put that clip in maybe i think she we should, should. Put, okay yeah. so we're gonna play miss major the police have been like monsters and um I don't know, like aliens from another planet coming here to consume and swallow us up and then spit us out as bones. It has nothing to do with color or religion or upbringing or money. The blue suit is all the same. They're all worthless, unimaginable, horrible people and destructive to mankind in general especially my transgender non-informing community. I don't know who invited those motherfuckers to be in the Pride Parade, but they are the most detrimental thing to ever happen. Why would you invite a shark to swim with you naked in the sea because you like sharks? No fucking body would do that shit. These motherfuckers are only out to arrest, put us in jail, lock us up, beat us up, Get someone, get us a sucky dick, and then kick us out of their car naked to go home. Happened to me twice. I know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. They should have never been in a private race. Private race is supposed to be about some sense of pride. How much pride do you have if you think the police are worthy of being there, standing by your side, holding your hand, touting the little gay flag? Fuck a flag. That shit is a damn thing if you're not going to treat people right. And I feel like what is so interesting about all of this is, you know, it's not just uh, this year. And I've just, I'll talk briefly about just a few examples. But, like, for the last few years, you know, I think about, like, the actions that we've seen in Toronto and mm-hmm. elsewhere where there's been, you know, a big movement um, amongst queer folks, particularly queer and trans folks of color, to be, like, given this history of the brutality and the terror that the police met it out against, like, queer and trans people, uh, mm-hmm. particularly, like, queer and trans people of color. It's, like, given that history about what happened at Stonewall, it's, like, how dare, how dare 
prides in the contemporary moment. Turn around and invite, and invite police. police to march yeah. in uniform, mm-hmm. right? To have corporations, yes. you know, that have that will not respect any sort of protections mm-hmm. against, you know, quilt bang workers. Yes. Right? And then mm-hmm. the, the, you have the audacity to invite them to pride. You have security companies like Raytheon and all of these other corporations oh and defense. Lockheed Martin. Right. People who are metting out all yeah. kinds of violence and yeah. terror against brown people, black mm-hmm. people, and oppressed and exploited people around the world. How dare you have the unmitigated gall to allow these folks yeah. um, to march in pride. So something that's happening, I saw this because I have uh, a lot of friends who like organized down in New York City and in other places like like in Sacramento on the West Coast. And it's really great to see that there are these initiatives. For example, in New York City, there's a group called the Reclaim Pride Coalition. Mm. And so the purpose of the Reclaim Pride Coalition, as the title suggests, is to like get pride to go back to its like anti-racist, anti-police you like roots, roots, right? Get it right. back to its like yeah. radical roots. Yeah. And so I want to just read a little bit. So like the main two objectives for the Queer Liberation March. And so the Queer Liberation March is going to be happening in New York City. And it's supposed to be, um, and it's going to follow the initial, like the first uh, Pride Parade route. Yeah. So like so, the Christopher, the Christopher yeah. Street Liberation Day, what mm-hmm. we understand to be like the first Pride that's going to follow that yeah. route. And the main demand of like the re- the Reclaim Pride Coalition is no cops and none of these corporate floats. Right. Right. To right. be in Pride. And to be in Pride. So I just wanted to like add into that too. Yeah. So like, you know, going back and forth, current day and historical context. So like Marsha and Sylvia were actually a part of this uh, group called the Gay Liberation Gay Front. Gay Liberation Front, And yeah. they were the ones who put on the, I guess, like the one-year commemoration exactly. of the, um, the Stonewall Rebellion. And and they did that until 1973. Right. Like, were part of that effort to keep it going, which now we know is like, that was pride. Exactly. But in 1973, you know, the white queers, because like I said, like, we, we talk about Stonewall and we all often talk about, like, the queer and trans folks of color who made it, like, possible. But they also were battling racism within the movement. Right. And so a lot of the white queers did not want Marsha and Sylvia at the front anymore because they, quote-unquote, made the movement look bad. Right. And what they did was show up and march right out front with the star banner. So, like, (laughs) just like, oh, you don't want me here? (laughs) Fuck it, I'm going to be right right at the front because that's where we need to be anyway. Uh, Shameless plug, you can learn a little bit more about the Gay Liberation Front from our episode, Queering the Airwaves. That was my oh, yes. that, that was, was my word, word. Yeah. For, that, for that episode. <laughs> and that was featuring Diamond, right? Featuring Diamond from yeah, Marshall's Play, right. Oh, the connection! Oh, man. <laughs> Look so at that wild. full circle moment. Yeah, I was just thinking and having this conversation about Stormy and also uplifting like Marsha and Sylvia and, and full circle moment, like talking about this with like the two of us and you talking about that on the episode with Diamond at the live show here at Syracuse, how much the struggles of black lesbians and black trans women have always been connected. Sure. Yeah. Since the beginning. Like yeah. we we we've done it together since the beginning. Yeah. So I feel like if anybody Keeping that history alive, you know, understanding that, I mean, 
I don't think it, we edited out of the last episode, but what we were talking about, the farm worker victory. We edited out or? Somehow it disappeared. (laughs) But the point is. Editing scissor hands (laughs) over here. Well, we were talking about that. You made the point that, you know, it's not just the fact that, you know, oppression and exploitation, you know, are bounded and these um, and connected and interwoven in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. But that also means that our liberation, you know, mm-hmm. is connected. Mm-hmm. So it's like we all have. So, of course, there are some of us who are like obviously going to be like the direct targets of specific forms of oppression. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like we all have like a vested material interest in, like, overthrowing, like, all of this shit. And so I feel like that's, to me, is what is so important about these, you know, contemporary efforts to, like, to reclaim pride. Because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, you, you queers can't be free, you know, cis people can't be free, even heterosexual ca- people can't be free if corporations are allowed to wreak havoc you know, mm-hmm. here and abroad, and if the police are allowed to rain down terror on yeah. so many different facets, mm-hmm. you know, of our communities. So I mentioned the Reclaim Pride effort in New York City, and then also there's the LGBT Community Center in Sacramento. The staff there were just, they also said, you know what, we just, we can't keep having police here mm-hmm. in in the march. And so they called for their, they called for the police not to be there, not to be marching in uniform. And they also said, you know, the board of, the board of directors, the president of the board is like, you got to go, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not on board with this. Right. And so I was like, I just hope that we see mm-hmm. more of that, not, not just in New York City and not just in Sacramento, but in all the cities Across in the board, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if this is petty, but like also... Decentering like these these cis white gay men from like these these pride planning committees too yeah. because like I think I don't think I felt an experience that it was a violence for uh, we marched in Syracuse's pride last year with the Black Cuse Pride float mm-hmm. and we get to the front of where the pride sort of like. I don't know. It's not the parade, but it's like the gathering after the parade. Yeah. You know, where people just kicking it. They play like the music. the festival portion. The festival part. And they were charging people $5 to get in. Right. You know, and I think that that is a violence to look at, like, black queer folks and tell them that they have to pay to get into Pride. Right. And it's like, you would not even... You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And I said when we was talking about, you know, Marsha's Plate live in New York City, like, donations? Okay. I could have understood if they would have been like, can you give donations for, like, the Pride festivities in Syracuse? But you're, like, mandatorily charging a fee to get into Pride. And that just feels so capitalist. It's such a capitalist model. And it's also... Just so antithetical to like how, why and how this kicked all off right. in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it also in that Queering Wave, uh, Airwaves episode, but it's like something that's seemingly simple is like that it took Black Cuse Pride like years to have yeah. a fight about, just be like, you know what? Maybe y'all should stop having. Pride the same day as Juneteenth, yeah. so black queer mm-hmm. people don't need to choose. choose and yeah. and like it, you know they fought and they agitated, but it was like a struggle to get yeah. there. You like know what four I'm years. Yeah, yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. I feel like that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, oops, my bad. I'm white. I didn't think about it, but now I'm gonna correct that's it. it. But it was, that's but it. But, it, but that yeah. wasn't it. It just it ended up being this whole production. And again, you know, like we always say, organizing gets the good. But it's like if you can't even just. 
you know, it's just like, it's just like there's just a total, I don't know, just like a lack of like awareness or just more importantly than a lack of awareness. Again, it just goes to show how far from those roots, yeah. you know, that we go. Because if it's like, if we took anti-racism seriously, yeah. then it would, right. be, a, it would right. be a no-brainer, right? right? Even right. if you're like, oh shit, we've been doing this this way for the right. last however many years, the buck stops today. Exactly. We're not going to do that. We're yeah. going to do it differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 50 years is not that long It's above. really not. It's like, Miss Major is still here. Stormy died in 2014. You know, it's like, this, this, this wasn't that long ago for people to be acting like, Oh, we don't even remember, like, how this all got started. Like, what? What are you... Yeah. And Um. I'm going to butcher the quote, but one of the organizers from the Reclaim Pride Coalition in New York City was like, you know, I think that celebration is important, but they were like... uh, The person's name is Robin Scott, and they are like, I think that this, you know, I'm all about celebration, but it's like, we are living in times of unparalleled, like, attacks. Attacks. On queer queer, trans people. And so it was like... You know, there's a, there's a sense of urgency right. of now. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? And I'm like, yes. I, I was like, yes, when I yes. read that. Yes, yeah. And in real life, I also think about what stops the events we go to now from being Stonewall 2. Right. You know, it's like like that could just very easily happen. Right. The police, I mean, it just happened here in Syracuse. Like, the police could, could get mad because you're playing your music too right. loud. And then all of a sudden... Like, we are, any place we gather is it's Stonewall. Basically. And it's like seven, seven plus queer folks at a time. Right. You know, and the police just look at you at a certain way and feel like these are bodies that need to be uh, contained and disciplined and caged, yeah. you know? And and it's like, what stops any space we're in from becoming that right. again? And especially in the political moment that we're living mm-hmm. in, like... I think it just happened in Boston and other places. You've got like neo Nazis, open white supremacists out traipsing around doing, you know, quote unquote counter protests. Or straight prides. Right, exactly. Yeah. And again, it's like, you know, everybody's been talking about how ridiculous the straight prides, you know, are, and they are. But it's like the thing that I feel like, like, kind of has been gotten a little bit lost in that conversation is like, these people are open, like, you know, quote unquote alt writers, but Nazis and white Nazis, supremacists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, you know, in the same way that they see these things as linked, right? It's not a coincidence mm-hmm. that like white supremacists would be having a straight pride. You know, their side is organizing. A, a, you know, it's kind of a fucked up way on an intersectional basis. Yeah. So we need to be doing the yeah. same thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not mm-hmm. like they're like, you know, I love blacks, I love women, but I just hate the gays. Yeah. That, that's that's they don't not do them. That. Right, right. Yeah. They're consistent. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, as the young folks say, they keep that same uh, bigoted energy. <laughs> they, they keep that same energy. Yeah, so, yeah, I like that, too. It's like, you're right. Like, a lot of times when we react to stuff, whether it's, like, making fun of it or whatever, yeah. it's still single-axis oppression, right? right? right so right. we're like, oh, straight pride is ridiculous because straight people are ridiculous. You right. know, it's like, like, you... I mean, that is still true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, okay... You don't you don't face these same like institutional or social hurdles as a straight person. That's right. why you don't have pride. But like also it again loses. Like these are also racists who right. are planning exactly. a straight pride. And and there's a reason why like straight pride is so blue lives matter and pro police. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Like we have to make those connections. Like when they say that they want to be out in the street celebrating heterosexuality, they're also saying that they want to maintain a police state and right. like do all these things. Exactly. Oof. We out here preaching today. You know, I ain't think we was going to get this deep. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to... You had a little bullet point in the Google Doc. I wanted to make sure we touch on it, though. Because it felt important 
for for us to start, you know, with like Stormy and talk about like the connections between black lesbian experiences and black trans women and trans women of color experiences. But you had something else. You Okay, so I didn't know where to put this and it's just, I saw it like a few weeks ago and it's just something that has stayed with me. Mm. So I was on Facebook and I saw people were sharing this status in my feed. And so I think, I'm not, I don't know the person's gender and I don't know the person, like they're, they're not in my periphery, but people who respect and politically trust were sharing the status. So there's a person and their name is, I think it's Nell Gaither. And so they were bringing up a point that I thought was really interesting. So a lot of us, one of the things that we say, especially given that just, I mean, just the really heinous and atrocious, it just seems like every day or every other day we're learning about some trans woman of color, some black trans woman, you know, being murdered, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. one of the things that they were talking about is that we often say that the average life expectancy of trans women, trans women, Trans women of color, black Black trans trans women, women, is 35 years old. So I think they're involved in in the leadership of some trans rights organization. Again, I'm not for sure, but they had this status up where they were saying that, you know, this is, it's widely stated that, you know, that's the average life expectancy is either 35 or 32. And so what they, and then there are other people in the comments that were saying that there's a difference. That's not actually accurate. And it's like, Mm -hmm. The point that Nell was making is that we actually don't know what the average life expectancy of trans people and trans women are because we don't. There's actually no like broad databases that collect information on trans people, and so mm-hmm. so what the statistic actually is, or what you know what the that actually mm-hmm. is, is that that's the age that's like the average age in which trans women are murdered. Yes, and so there's a difference between. Life expectancy right. and the average age that you're murdered. Right. right and so, right. of course, you know, those the, the murders would make the overall life expectancy go down, Lower, but that's not, right. that's not the same thing. Yes. And, oh, go sorry, ahead. I don't want to throw you off. Uh, so, there's the other thing that I was going to say is that, also, it came from a report. This It came from a report in 2015, which is the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. And so, that's where that statistic came from about... The, the the average age at which trans women are murdered and they were like I they've been trying to trace how it got to where we misunderstood it as like the mm-hmm. average um, life expectancy mm-hmm. and the the thing that got me thinking about this is that I know that there had been organizations advocating so that LG oh, excuse me so quilt bang folks quilt would be folks. accounted for in the census yes and so what I and just in the brief like little researching that I did so because there, there's been a lot of different organizations so like I know folks in like the undocumented community, folks in like the black community and other communities have really been advocating to make sure that different communities are included in the census. And so there's been advocacy on behalf of quilt bang organizations to say that like quilt bang folks needed to be accounted for yes. in the census. Mm-hmm. And so what I saw is that if you're in a quilt bang relationship, if you're like married, then you're this, counted. Yeah. But if, if you're, you're like not, a single person, yeah. then you're not counted. Mm-hmm. And so it's like 
And so I think that the like the obvious question is like, well, why does this matter? Because it's like, well, it matters because it's like this. Then it gives us a full kind of picture mm-hmm. about what life is, what political, economic, and social yes. reality, yes. what life yes. is for mm-hmm. us. And then it gives it puts us in a better position to advocate and organize around right. resources for our community. Right, right. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's yeah. like if we don't have a full accounting yes. of that, yeah. then we don't. Then we actually can't good good yeah. uh, like authentic data. Yep. We can't you know mm-hmm. ask for the things that we actually materially need exactly. if we don't understand the full picture exactly. about what's happening to our communities. Yep. I remember one of our diasporic baddie friends, I can't remember which one it was, but they were like, you know, I've seen that this statistic that like black people make up like 12 to 13 percent of America for years. Right. Like y'all not growing? Y'all okay? Right. And, and so that... that that was funny but it like made me think of like a lot of people's things around like quilt bang folks is that like oh there's not enough of them and like does that is is that are you sure right because we don't actually have like adequate ways to like capture it yeah 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 and Mm. I'm I'm gonna try to spare you all this long rant because uh, it's something else that I've been thinking of is that, like, one of the things that I feel like good social theory is supposed to do is that it's supposed to help us explain social phenomena. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times we just kind of, I mean, I know that this gets contentious because I, I think increasingly sometimes a lot of social justice feels like church where you just recite scripture and you just recite things and you're not actually thinking about what how, you're saying. You're not thinking about what you're saying and you're not actually thinking about how, like black feminism is, is not supposed to be scripture. It's supposed to be, in a, and just for an example, an analytic framework to help us make sense and understand this, the world and, mm-hmm. the, and what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, to black women. So it's like, and so sometimes one of the things that I I see is that there's like kind of like a circular logic. So you'd be like, oh, well, black women experience this because of racism, because of the intersection of racism and sexism. And this is why black women's like lives look like this. And it's like, mm-hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't actually explain by, by what mechanisms yeah. are black women being discriminated against, right. being oppressed, like, or like trans women mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. other members are like the quilt bang society and other kinds of like intersections. The quilt bang society. <laughs> the quilt bang members of society. That's, that's and so, mm-hmm. um, and just the last thing I want to say is that I feel like there's a I think we do a lot of description but I don't think that we do a lot of explanation mm. and so by which I mean like we all know now that there's like or like the explanations are like very vague mm-hmm. so like I guess one of the common examples that I would give is mass incarceration happened because of racism yeah and it's mm-hmm. like that doesn't actually like no. it, and it's a yeah. circular logic so mm-hmm. you say mass incarceration happened because of racism and racism is an example like the one of the examples that we have of racism is mass incarceration, yeah. but you never explain concretely mm-hmm. what because because mass incarceration hasn't it's only happened within the last forty to fifty yeah, years and yeah. like racism is a phenomenon it's like a five hundred year old phenomenon yeah, so yeah. why in this particular period yeah. is it mass incarceration and why, in why in another period has it been slavery yeah. slavery it's like racism isn't enough of an answer to help us right. explain and so again you know going back to like the statistics so it's like so then it's like uh, this is where we need like good social theorists good researchers to be like well why like what is it why is it the age of thirty five mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. again what does the full range right. of life for trans people right. actually look like and yes, what, yes, what range of yes. services right, and social right. supports do they need right. in later on in life because the thing is if you yeah. don't think that anybody's living past 35 you don't build you're a not, future and, and for and them you're not going to have yeah. any kind of support for anybody yeah. 35 and over yeah 
And so it's just, again, I, I didn't mean to go into that rant. I was just, about to say. It's just something I've just been thinking about. Um, I, I felt like lot. I was playing double dutch trying to get in. Go ahead, hop in. Because y'all know we share a mic. Go ahead and hit up the cash app at Queer <laughs> <Y5>. <laughs> All that. But like... <laughs> But yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. I guess as an, an a nerdy academic academician researcher myself is like, we need more re- pop researchers. Yeah. So, like, so yeah. like, I think a lot of people think that their scholarship is like less rigorous if people are talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. And to me, I feel like your scholarship is actually scholarship if people are talking about it right, on Twitter. Right. 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 Because what's the point of it? You're just gonna. Um, like Toni Morrison said, like lock knowledge up in the ivory exactly. tower. That's not the point of it. Right. And so I kept thinking, like, how did this statistic get skewed? Yeah. Right? So like, yeah. Um, as as you told me about this, uh, about like, oh, the average age for Black trans women's life expectancy is thirty five versus what the report says is like the average age for Black trans women to be murdered. Yeah. Is thirty five. That slippery shift happens because of like letting letting systems of oppression, letting violence off the hook, right? Right. So when you say life expectancy, it sounds like it's just like an accident. Like, oh, like, you know, this tends to be how like the age in which people right, die. Right. It's like, right. no, like what but when you say the um, mean age in which they're murdered, right. like that take that you, then you have to care about their lives, right. right? You have to be like, what is going on? And then you like, have to think, who's doing the murdering? Who's Who, doing? Right. Where, where are they being right. like, where? harmed? Yeah. And what are, what mm-hmm. do the communities look like in yeah. which they come from? Yep. In which they're experiencing yep. harm? Yep. Are other people broadly exactly. also in those communities experiencing yeah. harm? And it's like mm-hmm. it it it, yeah. where, it pushes us to think where about is all the these protection? other questions. Exactly. I, always, I always think about the flip too, especially as a therapist. Is like Everybody talks about like underserved populations, but what are you doing to make sure that populations get served? Right. You know, and so I, this is, you know, I'm, I'm not a trans woman, but I have worked with a lot of trans women in clinical practice, thankfully, because I've worked at like LGBT and or quilt bang intentional. Yeah practices and places and I worked on a trans team as a therapist and what I noticed just around like this average age is that folks are either like settled enough mm. in their transition to where they're like wow. like getting jobs going yeah. to school yeah. they're more they're out they're, they're out. like out yeah. in the public yeah. you know and that sounds so like so fucked up to say because they actually just living right it's like you know all these years of of like and again this is my experience so y'all know how we are like please feel free to like Check me if you think I'm saying something wrong. Right. But this this is just what I've seen in, like, working, which feels so fucked up. But, like, as a therapist, I've had to write letters of support for folks to get, like, gender-affirming things right, right. done to their own bodies. And so, in seeing that, what I see is, like, really, they didn't really have, like, this teenage experience Mm. it's like all of this figuring out gender so it's like again like a delayed adolescence and i say this a lot with like black lesbians yeah it's like you know we a lot of us didn't experience the like flirty i think i like you thing in like middle school or like high school and so we end up doing it in college Mm -hmm. and after like i'm saying age group i shouldn't say in college but like around that age range you know and so it's like when somebody is just finally like feeling 
okay enough with the way that they are received in society at and like, like build 30, different kinds exactly, of relationships to be out yeah. in the world and then like that's when they meet violence and I don't think that's like a accident right. you know so we right. should be talking about like like how how are folks not getting hired because of like right. gender and stuff and like where where are the supports like what right. what can we do to make sure that folks have the space that they need earlier or later in life so that like they, they're not put at risk when they are feeling okay right 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 yeah so that was that was just like my thoughts in my head and i keep thinking in my head i'm like doing this like double helix thing about like black lesbians and black trans women and starting off with Stormy and thinking about Marsha. Right. You know, it's like, like I keep doing that in my head. Of like, well, we've been fighting together since the beginning. Sure. We're still fighting together. You sure. know, I before we started recording, I was thinking about that episode where I talked about the five black lesbians who were murdered, like, in upstate, in upstate New, New York, York. And, like, no, yeah. nobody was talking about that. Right. And how, like, the same structural violences, like, not being hired, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Like, thinking about gender presentation and all this stuff, like, those things impact us very similarly. Indeed. But I think the difference, uh, you know, Audre Lorde always talked about difference. And so, like, the differences in our experiences, I think it gives us a lot more information to, like, you were talking about, like, if we had these things to, like, collect the data yeah. to advocate. So, like, yeah. because we know the different ways that it impacts, we can advocate better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, we're, I mean, obviously, like, you can be a black trans woman and be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, uh, like, one of the things I'm thinking of is, like, are these uh, predominantly straight trans, like, black trans yeah. women you I know, was that thinking are experiencing that too. this? So, it's like. I didn't know if that would be fucked up to say, though. I don't know. Maybe we should cut it. No, no, not cut it. Oh. But because I think it's important, right? Like, yeah, like they, these, these, our identities aren't like mutually exclusive. Right, right, right. But I think a lot of times when I hear about a, like a black trans sister that we've lost, I, I just always assume that she was straight and like that this yeah. was his encounter, an encounter with a man. With the dude. Yeah, yeah, a cis man. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't know if that was like fucked up to say or think, especially because of that play we saw oh right, <laughs> so it's like, right you know it's like um is that i don't i don't even know what that would be why like on what level that would be fucked up but i'm like hmm is it fucked up for me to always assume that like a trans woman who was harmed right. was heterosexual right and, like, right right in this experience with a man and right. that's, that's why it happened sure yeah, it's like, like I don't like we we're not even pretending to know but I'm yeah like, those I, are the questions i don't have the answers to that right. but yeah yeah Something that we we talked about this a long time ago, and I think we've we might have addressed it a little bit is like on a on an episode a while ago, where it's like there's always this conversation uh, within like queer communities about like masculine of center uh, masculine of center people having more privilege, and then mm-hmm. I was like, and but like one of my first questions is like, so I mean obviously there's like you know masculinity has currency. Like in the society, but it's like, mm-hmm. again, how would we study that? How would we actually see how that's happening? Are mm-hmm. we saying that, like, for instance, you know, we're talking about us as like lesbians and queer women? So it's like, are we saying is it is it true that like masculine 
like presenting lesbians have have higher access to employment or have better paying jobs and it's like mm. again we just say things like I think that kind of like a script that we're used to yeah, that's yeah. rooted in reality I'm not saying that people just make up shit right, up right, right. out of thin air but it's like like how do we actually we don't know right yeah. we don't know what like the or do like masculine folks have better access to healthcare blah blah mm-hmm, blah and it's mm-hmm. like we, again we just like say things and we don't actually like do the due diligence to like investigate like what what is actually happening mm-hmm. and why are these things like happening or not happening mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it's like I think I, I, I'm just always thinking about like again how do we capture and understand and more deeply investigate broader trends because yeah. I think that you know again it's like we think that we know the answers to things and it's like oh maybe we ain't got the answers right yeah. maybe we don't so what you just said reminded me of this conversation that was like hot when I was in undergrad I don't know if it's still a conversation that's had because again I don't get on Facebook but on Facebook it would just be these wars about femme presenting queer women being like quote unquote straight passing yeah or like not visible as lesbians yeah. or queer women and that masculine presenting lesbians or like studs, doms, boys right. are like not straight presenting yeah. or whatever. And so so it would be like, oh, is like that a privilege? You know? Right, is, right, is right. Is it a privilege that like femme presenting lesbians like don't always get called sure, sure, clocked sure. as gay or whatever? Right. And and like what you just said made me think that like, these conversations are being... Ha- I always thought that those conversations weren't useful because at the end of the day, we're all queer and we are all, sure. all oppressed for it. Right. Like, no matter how we present. But what you're saying is reminding me is, like, we, we don't have these higher-level answers to solve these inter-community yeah. problems. Exactly. Right? So it's yeah. like, is it really... When I say institutional, I mean... I hope folks know what I mean by that, by, like these ways that oppression becomes institutionalized. So like being accepted into schools, being allowed access into places, you know, getting picked for a job. Right. So it's like, it does that. Is it actually quote unquote, institutionally easier right for, exactly for someone I who isn't read as queer yeah, yeah it's like we don't know we just going off our power the power of a personal narrative yeah and t- and holding these things as truth right against folks in within community and i don't know you know i think what you said about masculinity having cultural currency i think yes sure. always all days over femininity like we live in a patriarchal well, society that privileges masculinity but we know that on certain bodies, like, it becomes a risk, right. right? But then, like, how do you make space for, like, folks to talk about that that doesn't end up being, like, <laughs> the He-Man Woman Haters Club <laughs> from Little Rascals? What like, do you mean? Like, that it becomes femphobic. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you make space to talk about, like, the complexities, I guess, of masculinity without it being, you know, do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I don't, I kind of have, it's going to sound like a smart ass answer, but I'm like, I feel like you talk about the complexities without denigrating femmes. Because the issue mm. that you have is not with femmes. Exactly. The issue that you have is with the larger system. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Period. Yeah. Period. <laughs> ah, as Megan was saying. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess what I kind of want to like speak to is that I think that we hold on so tightly to these things because one, we know that there's like reactionary, terrible people who are mm-hmm. ready to try to say, look, that oppression is not real, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, you like, we're not coming at it from that. 
And so I think that's why people like cling to these because it's like if you're saying that this thing is not happening, this thing is not actually. If you're saying that this thing is not actually like this, then you're saying that my oppression isn't real. Right, right. And what what we're saying is like it's not that the oppression isn't real. It's just the fact that. It's the nature of how we thought it manifested is different. Different, right? Can you say that again? So we're not it's, saying that like the oppression isn't that real. the oppression isn't real. It's like we're trying to get a fuller, more accurate accounting of how the oppression actually manifests. Right. Because right. And, and why does that matter? It's like because if we actually understand how it manifests, then we're better. We can change and the better shit. suited to fight. Yes, it. that's what I'm trying to get at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just made it so clear. It like clicked in my head. Okay. Right. Like, like not to, not to silence or devalue someone's experience of oppression. It's like, yes, that is real. You felt that baby. Like, yes. But the, the, the nature of it, right. The way we think these things work because we experience them like, you know, bodily, personally, they just become like our scripts for oppression. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, actually the way the oppression works on a societal level is different. Right. Right. So so you had this individual experience. So, you know, it's just I was thinking about a classic narrative of racism I grew up with and still experience is like a cashier won't put your money in your hand. They'll like put it on the table and slide it to you. And so we all know that happens. Right. Right. So so like, yes, that is a way that oppression manifests. But it's like if we studied you know, the, like, nature of, like, giving cash back or, like, what, yeah. all this stuff. Like, we could know how to how to better interact in those, like, in- instances. And I know that was, like, a small example, but... So, to broaden it out is, like, to kind of go back to the example of, like, slavery, like, you know, of, like, the early 17th, 18th, 19th century. And so, it's, like, versus, like, mass incarceration. So, just to kind of make it more concrete is, like, Black people's relate like racism is going to look different when black people are fundamental to the economic engine of society, right? And so that's slavery. But when black people, so black people are warehoused in prisons when we become surplus populations, when we actually don't serve a role, when we don't serve a key function in the labor force. So something has to be, so we have to be dealt with differently. Do you know what I mean? Nikita, I think what you just said blew my my skull off the top of (laughs) like okay so i'm gonna give it back to you and what i like heard you say yeah right so and us trying to understand the way you know like oppression plays out and like not saying that yes our oppression isn't real but like the nature of it yeah on a society level has changed so it's not that there's no more racism Yes, yes yes but because because capitalism in America literally relied on yes. black people being enslaved yes. at a point and like that has changed. Right. So like we're we're no longer the core center of yeah. capitalism in this country. Right. We're all it's almost like, well, they're they're still here. Here, what do we what do, do we, with ex- them? Exactly. And so exactly. So now it's like, okay, they're still here. What do we do with them? We lock them up. Exactly. We over police them. We right. push them out. We exclude them. Right. Yes. And again, underscoring the fact that it's not that racism is not here, it's no longer real. It's the fact that the nature, the mechanism of it has changed. It has so changed. how we're gonna society fight it. has changed. Exactly. Right. Right? And this is yeah. why I'd be a hashtag fucking Marxist materialist. <laughs> because political economy uh, okay, I'm done. I'm All not gonna right. get into that. But, right. but again, but that but that to me, that is what so we have yeah. to understand so it's not just enough to say, okay, yeah, 
like racism is the reason. So, but like again, but right. what mechanism right, right. are black people being exploited and oppressed yes. in this period versus other mm-hmm. periods versus mm-hmm. other periods? Right. Yeah. And that yes, and that's why it's important. Like um, that statistic you talked about that got switched is like that's why it's important to not say that the the life expectancy of a black trans woman is thirty five because like that takes none of the material conditions into account. Right. Exactly. And so to say that like the the average age at which a black trans woman is murdered is thirty five right. that takes into account. Exactly. Okay, what are what are these other what are the ways in which uh like violence exactly. is like coming together to right. make that the case. Exactly. And if we know that, we can better protect our yeah. sisters. We can show up yeah. for them in ways that we have to, you know? Exactly. The concretes. Like, I keep thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I'm a <laughs> therapy-ass bitch, but just like housing. Is housing one of the like, exactly. key ways, exactly. you know? Exactly. It's like, uh, we know this, but like employment. Because right. We we know that black trans women their like unemployment rate is like it's four four times high, the rate yeah. of the uh, the the rest of the population. Right. So it's like that to- that made totally sense to me. I feel like I was like kind of swimming for a second. Like I think I get you, but uh-huh. you know you're a brilliant bitch. So I get lost <laughs> a lot of times. No, it's not brilliant. It just means I'm. Not, it is brilliant. You know the thing I'm always thinking about. I'm about, about. To, I'm about to juju you. No, you gonna sit there and okay. take this. Yes, yes. You're gonna sit there and I'm take gonna, this. Okay, I'm gonna receive it's it. It's brilliance, okay? I'm gonna receive it. Okay? Nobody rolls over in the morning and gets out of bed and is like, it's not because of racism. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the nature of the material, okay? All right. <laughs> and I love you for it. I do. I do. I, but thank like you. Whew, sometimes your brain, I can't keep up. That's why I have to bring it back down and ground it. Because, you know, these cardinal signs, they be thinking that they, they all they do is just put it out there so the rest of us can, <laughs> can like, actually, actually do the work. I won't bring up the brunch. Go ahead and bring it up. You already brought it up then, <laughs> Okay. So here I am, a Virgo, minding my business. And we were ha- having brunch as friends at Nikita's house. And so it was me, Virgo. Nikita, Capricorn, and Diedrich, also Capricorn. So we got there in ample time. The brunch was supposed to start at 1. Yeah. It was 11.30. Okay. And I was like, okay, I need to start uh, making the pancakes. I need to start, like, putting stuff on. These two, no, no. They think because they chopping stuff up that they're doing something. We were doing something. No. I was like, y'all... We're not going to have food. Well, you know black people, they ain't going to be on here on time. And do, do, do. We already went to the store. <laughs> Our job is done, Cardinal Signs. Like, <laughs> we, we've already started. We've done so much of work. I'm like, no. We have to We have to <laughs> keep doing. We have to make food. We didn't. For so the what record, happened? For the record, we were telling money, you can't make the pancakes now at 1130. Because people are not going to show up until 130. So they're going to have cold pancakes. They're going to have cold First of food. all. There's a microwave. Nobody want nothing warmed up in no damn microwave. Second of all, we could have like thrown back on the the pan real quick. It's better to have it done 
we had like things that we so could have put it was better in. to have it done mediocre and lukewarm than to have it first of all ain't nothing mediocre about my pancakes no they were so you better take it oh no no i was, I was gonna say you didn't let me finish you didn't let me finish i was gonna say no nah, they were good and the reason why they're good is because money has been able to perfect a pancake because it's the only thing she knows how to cook oh bitch <laughs> you know what fuck everything i said about black lesbian solidarity <laughs> Y'all know how fast money turns into a Republican. She's like, you know what? Fuck everybody. Lock them all up. As long as I have my safety. No. How dare you? Pull myself up by my dyke straps. Okay, first, pull myself up by my strap. (laughs) Not bootstraps, just straps. Just the strap. Um, (laughs) Damn, that's going to tickle me. By a strap. Because <laughs> dicks are expensive. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, that's true. It is true. <laughs> but I just, I just need uh, y'all to know, community, that pancakes are not the only thing I can cook. She makes a, um, she makes a mean frozen veggie burger too. You- <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> money. Money. Be, Am I wrong, though? I, Am I wrong, though? I make the best avocado toast you have ever had oh. in your life. <laughs> okay? Move over, Bobby Flay. <laughs> avocado toast. That's not even cooking. That's just putting something in a toaster. I hate you. <laughs> um... No, I I have I have staple dishes that I know how to make. Oh yeah, you do a good vegan mac and cheese. Yes, I do. I do a good vegan mac and cheese. She makes a mean salad. You're just gonna keep insulting me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just highlighting what you do well. She can chop shit up and put it in a bowl. Um, I would have queen adjacent. Uh, money was a full Kwanzaa auntie in that kitchen <laughs> on Saturday because. I had these two Capricorns that wouldn't let me live. If you just let me do it, she just get out, out of the my way. Own kitchen. Just get out the way. You know you're not gonna do it, so just let me do it. She was micromanaging, is what she I was. I was doing. not micromanaging. No, she was. There was a list of things that needed to be accomplished. Oh my god! And neither of them were accomplishing them. They were just like sitting around looking pretty, eating strawberries. <laughs> we we it, let me tell you, it takes a lot of work to do very good. Precise chopping and dicing. Okay. Oh, that's, sure. And that's what we did. Yeah. Anyway. Chopped, chopped and diced our hearts out. Brunch ended up being served at like 2.30. It was good. And people showed up on top. No. So they had to wait for they their They showed food. up at like 1.30. Anyway. And 2 o'clock. Anyway. My pancakes, my eggs. They were oh, good. I made good eggs too. Yeah. Everything was good. It was divine. It was fine. Money was just on her full Kwanzaa auntie mode. Whatever. And it was so funny because we were all eating. And we were like, money, come on, sit down. She's like, no, I just want to make sure y'all all right. <laughs> and we're just like, money, sit down. Nope. I was like, I'm good. I'm just going to finish these pancakes. No, she's like, uh-uh, just finish these pancakes and I'm going to come sit down. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the last thing I want them to say was, you know that bitch left that thing in <laughs> No, nope. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell y'all. We we had already talked about me making pancakes. Oh, I was hoping we could move past and, this. And yeah, so why she dragging me for not being able to make nothing but pancakes? Whoops. <laughs> this about this. this um whole adult over here. Okay. 
<laughs> young responsible <laughs> did, right. d- does not own a spatula. You, let me let me tell y'all. Let me see. You know what? This is why I say I'm 85% materialist, and then the other 15% of me is into woo woo tidbits. Because listen, I swear I had a spatula at one point. <laughs> And I think the spirits, the, the ancestors, somebody just was like... Just needed it? They were like, "You, we're going to take this burden out your life. <laughs> a spatula? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you're over here making fun of me for my dishes. Fr- and you I don't can't. even own the utensils to make what I make. Because I You don't can't make even pancakes. sit in the same room and breathe the same air as pancakes. I don't make Because you don't have a spatula. Okay. She over here raggedy flipping stuff with a cake slice. <laughs> oh, wow. You ain't Why did you... <laughs> And you know what? That is actually really disgusting what she did because especially during Pride Month, we know it's not important. We know how important it is to not out people. <laughs> Why you out me like that? So if you've ever had anything flippable at Nikita's house, just know that it was flipped with a cake slicer. Wow. <laughs> wow. Outed. <laughs> Yikes. Well, it's so sad that... Uh, you know, we've been talking so much about Things coming full circle. And it's so wild that our friendship is going to come <laughs> to a screeching halt during Pride Month. You love me. You will never stop being my biffle. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but brunch was a success. It was great. It was fun. <laughs> so I was thinking we could like end this episode, not about my pancakes, but... <laughs> about like commitment or like a charge call to to action call to action of what we're gonna do to keep the like you know revolutionary roots of pride alive what you want me to go first i can start i can start go ahead finish i mean you done gave us a whole sermon this this was supposed to be a mini so but (laughs) so one thing that i think is a lot of times Police violence protests or meetings or anything like that, posts on social media get very, like, not even men of color, but, like, black man focused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of stuff is happening right now in Syracuse around, like, yeah, police brutality. I was just about to say that. And, and, and learning about Stormy and also just knowing the way that, like, police routinely harass black trans folks. I feel like I want to make a commitment to doing something connected to police uh, anti-police violence to not just be a queer person of color in the space but to remind folks that right. this disproportionately impacts back black trans folks as well yeah so yeah that's my that's commitment right. this pride it's so funny that you mentioned that because there was two there's two local things that i did want to mention and talk about you just mentioned the recent like all of the recent stuff happening locally around police brutality and so i think For me, what feels important, and especially just coming off, like, the last episode where we talked about, you know, like, the farm worker victory, it's like, especially being a radical, I think one of the things I struggle with, and I think that's something that my comrades and I struggle with, is, like, you know, we have our analysis, and it's like, if it's not, then you, like, really, you know, if it's not, like, Mm anti-capitalist, anti-X, Y, and Z enough, then you're, like, Fuck those people, get them out of the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but like the things that I'm really thinking of, like to your point, I think it's really important to do, you know, when we say that it's a struggle, it's not just a struggle against the oppressive systems, but we are also in struggle with one another to, to, again, to do the Harriet Tubman thing, to bring us all along. Right, right. And so I think, so I say all that to say this, like I want to do 
I want to have enough patience, enough generosity to build coalitions that are strong enough to actually win. And yes. I, I feel like that is, mm-hmm. I, I think, struggling towards victories mm-hmm. and making sure that we have, you know, those analyses and that we're bringing our people along with us yeah. to understand those analyses mm-hmm. in these coalitions feels really important to me right now, even just thinking locally and just like, you know, and we talked about, like, I feel like we talk about Black Keys Pride often. And it's like, I think... I, like, personally, it's just, I just don't feel that great at the Syracuse Pride. I, yeah, that's um, not a place I it's a, to I don't want to be there, but it's like... And so, for me, it's always... When we think about call to actions, I think we kind of think about zero to zero or 100. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I think, for me, one of the things that I've been thinking about, like, as an organizer who can't be involved in everything, so I'm like, what are the smaller things that I can do to support things that I'm not directly involved in? Yeah. So, it's like... It's like, I maybe I'm not going to, like, you know, be there physically with, like, Black Keys Pride, but it's like, I'm going to donate, and I'm going to... It's not just enough for me to donate, but I'm going to encourage other people, yes. you know, like, to donate. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, like, educational materials that they're trying to work on, and I can help with that. So it's not just, like, a like an all or nothing, but I'm like, right, what are the right. concrete things mm-hmm. that I can do with my capacity and my skills yep. to support, like, other yeah. works that I'm not directly, like, involved in? That's so real, because I be beating myself up because I'm, you know trying to finish yeah. school and I often when I do show up to places people be like we ain't seen you in right. 10 years I'm like I'm trying to finish you know so right. like that feels so important for me to hear too it's like I don't have to do the 100 right I, if, even doing 20 you know exactly like something, exactly you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like you were talking about like doing the Harriet thing and like it's all of us or nothing. I was thinking about doing the Marsha thing. Like I could get there at 2 a.m. and throw the brick and right, right. <laughs> I might have the shot glass up or, or, you know, rip the bar out the, out the foundation. Yeah. But, yeah. So I, I normally try to think about things as like a spectrum. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like maybe yeah. I'm not going to sit in the three hour or the two hour meeting. But right. Can I give somebody else a ride who exactly. wants to be like exactly. what? Just thinking exactly. about things more right, like right. in terms of like capacity and spectrum about how I can yeah. support efforts because I'm not involved in every movement in the city. I learned this. Well, I learned to stop doing that shit a long time ago. Oh yeah, you was running yourself ragged. Right. So, but yeah. one of the smaller things that I can do to support. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. This this was wow. I didn't see this going here. You know, I really didn't. But there it is. Then right. All right, so <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed this, like, pride potpourri. Pride potpourri, It was just yeah. like a, a grab. We didn't, yeah, you know, usually both of us are over here with the points, the checklist. Right. Yeah. And so the biggest of, of Ashe's to Stormy Delevier, uh, is it Delevier? Stop! I, can, I feel like Delivery? Delivery. D e l a v e r i e delivery. Yeah. Yes. All right. As as a bitch named Montanique Mankeetra, and you think that I would be able to <laughs> pronounce any name, but <laughs> so yeah. So huge ashe uh, to Absolutely. the ancestor Stormy, um, to our ancestors Marsha and mm-hmm. Sylvia. Always. Um, yeah, and, and we didn't think it would go here, but it did, and I I really liked it. Yeah. So, and thank you for, to Nikita for, like, blowing my mind. And to you as well, dear. And, yeah, so just, like, a huge shout-out to all of our Quilt Bang family who are committed to making yeah. sure that the legacy of uh, Stonewall and us in those movements continues. Right. Absolutely. So, this has been Money 
the Syracuse sex symbol. And this has been Nikita, your pride princess. And you just listened to a pride potpourri episode of Queer Walk the Podcast. This podcast was created with editorial help by Ahmad Saeed, Thank the you. queer Love sibling. You, Ahmad. Thanks, Ahmad.